Welcome back to episode eight of eight? Retro. Yeah, of Retro Resolutions. Uh, I'm Dylan. This is Matt. And uh, this week we're going to be talking about CRTs and LCDs. But before we get, jump into the main topic, um, I was just mentioning. Uh, before we started recording, that uh, there was something I wanted to update on what I've been playing, which actually is not what I've been playing. That's a different thing. But <laughs> what I've been messing with is um, is I've been backing up games to play from a hard drive on my Wii. It's more convenient. Uh, the uh, the method for you gotta have a soft modded Wii and uh, software on it to make it dump and load games onto the hard drive and my hard drive was very old and um had been repurposed a few times and mm. was not loading things and so i was like i'm pretty sure it's dying so yeah. i went and got a very fancy 500 gigabyte ssd nice <laughs> and which does not really have that much of a performance improvement over anything else um, but I was like, the stability of this is not going to fail, probably. If it's right. just doing, once it's all loaded up, if it's just reading, it's like never going to fail. Yeah. And um, I mean, anything over, I mean, I'm sorry, but anything from a platter to SSD is is an, a speed improvement, you know? Well, except for that the Wii's USB like bottleneck. Yeah. Is, okay, I see where it, you're the, going. The speed is actually the Wii can't read faster than like 48 megabytes per second or something. Oh, so like that's it, that's a bummer. I didn't realize that because it's. I mean, it was it came out in 2007. It, yeah, it's USB yeah. two. Like it's. Yeah. It's what, just what, gotta, what was an SSD back then? Nothing. You know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, only the big problem with that was that uh, the way that the um, the USB loader software works is that it loads the configuration. So it, so it mounts the, the USB drive, loads the configuration files from it, then unmounts it, switches to uh, the USB loading software built into the Wii because it's more compatible. Mm. And then it remounts the drive. But the USB um, expectations of the SSD were incompatible with that process. Um, I had to, it gives you like a 20 second countdown on the software saying like, I'm looking for a hard drive, which is weird because it just loaded stuff from the hard drive. What? And for whatever reason, it just like couldn't connect. So I had to swap this out for a platter based hard disk drive. And really? that I, I loaded it up, plugged it in, worked instantly which that uh, is that's crazy i i'm i'm surprised yeah. that you couldn't use it at least you know even yeah. in, in a slower form yeah. it's a little bit disappointing but because i d had to take more time waiting for shipping and transferring and all that stuff i actually haven't had time to play those games so what i've been playing lately is super mario 64 on what? a nintendo 64 real hard nice. uh for whatever reason i got the uh, bug to try some speed running and uh i've really? always thought yeah i've thought some 16 star speed run was a really fun category of super mario 64 and i know like about half of the tricks the backwards long jumps the mips clips you know um very cool the, the lakitu skips i know i know a fair amount of them 
Uh, I can't execute on them perfectly, but uh, so I've been messing around, practicing a little bit, and that's been a lot of fun. I've been streaming a little bit of it on my Twitch channel at twitch.tv slash press left, but uh, I just kind of do it when when it's convenient, and it's uh, it's been fun. No, neat. I'll have to check that out, actually, because, you know, uh, speedruns will never be something I can do, uh, but I, I greatly admire and love watching the videos just to see what what different mm-hmm. people uh, can do. Like you said, those tricks and things, it's just amazing. Yeah. I was watching a uh, just a, a, a last week, just a regular Super Mario one. And it just, the things that they can clip through all these different walls and mm-hmm. and, and just run midway through a, a map, it just blew me away. You know, okay. I, I had no clue that on one some of that stuff and it's that like, one has been so optimized it like, has no one's ever like i mean not no one's ever but like you're not gonna come within spitting distance yeah of some of those top runs well and that's the thing is that the video that i was watching was like here's why nobody will ever beat this particular speed run which currently is the the record holder mm-hmm. and uh he basically goes through and breaks down and says look you can't do it faster there's no faster way right, right, right. to do this so game. There's the TAS, which is a tool-assisted speedrun, which is basically you program a computer to hit the buttons at the right times. Mm. And that's like the fastest possible way. Yeah. And once a person gets within a couple of frames of that, there's like no real... Yeah way to do it faster than that exactly and that's what yeah and, and that's what this apparently this person has done and uh yeah. it was totally it was fascinating i just really uh really blew me away well uh yeah what have you been playing so what i've been playing is uh i've been playing uh on my retro flag gpi case uh which runs on i've actually updated it to uh a Pi Zero 2. Uh, and if you don't know what these cases look like, they look essentially like uh, a original Game Boy, uh, but it has, of course, a nice color uh, LED screen. Uh, it's got uh, six buttons. And so it's been, it's been, it's certainly updated. It's a little smaller, but it is essentially the feel uh, and look of the very original Game Boy, and which I owned. Uh, and in fact, I went on uh, an exchange to Germany for a school semester, and I brought it with me. And the game that I played the most while I was over there was Tetris. And, you know, I'm not a big puzzle game person at all, but Tetris definitely has a special place in my heart, especially when because I was playing it so much when I was over there and when I was on the plane there and back. Uh, It's just uh, so, yeah, I just kind of felt like reminiscing and uh, I started playing it on on this system to see how it felt compared to my memories of playing it on the original Game Boy itself, and uh, it, it was it's it's been a lot of fun. It, it, I have to say that this uh, case adds. I think just the the texture and the case, the feel of the case, certainly adds a lot to the experience yeah. of of this system. Uh, especially when I'm playing a game that I played a lot of when 
when I was younger. And uh, so, yeah, so I, I've been doing a lot of Tetris and the original black and white, none of this fancy color nonsense, you know, the original one that actually came with the Game Boy uh, in, well, certain editions. Uh, that's that's what I've been playing. And uh, nice. so, yeah, it's been a blast. Really enjoyed playing it. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I wanted to do a brief update on uh, is we I discussed this in a previous podcast of ours, uh, which is the uh, the Ambernick 552. Uh, since it's, it's currently still kind of one of the top uh, Android slash uh, Android slash Linux systems out there. Uh, it can do both. Uh, the one bummer, though, was that when it originally came out, it didn't it didn't include the Google Store, the Google App Store. Oh yeah. Uh, so you either had to sideload apps if you wanted to do that, uh, but it also came with you know tons of the best emulators that were available. So that was totally cool. Uh, but uh, I found out they did do an update, and it had a newer version of Android on it, uh, which apparently fixed some audio sync issues. I personally either didn't play those systems or didn't notice the audio sync issue. So uh, I'm glad it's fixed. Uh, But it also included the uh, Google Store, which kind of, uh, I've kind of re-fallen in love with this system again and really started playing this a lot this week because, uh, one, I can download Android games, uh, including uh, one of my personal favorites, the new, the Call of Duty uh, system actually, th- this is powerful enough to play on the lower settings, but I can still play the Call of Duty online. Uh, the mobile, the mobile version yeah, yeah. of Call of Duty. Thank you, and uh, which I just yeah I've put a ton of time into it. It's one of the rare games that I'm actually really good at. I mean, oh, yeah? I, maybe you we know, should play. I'm, I'd play with you. Oh yeah, it's man. I we I've should got that, because uh, it's, I've got that backbone controller for my phone. Oh yeah, that's and right. So we, I think we'd play just fine together. Yes, we would. And uh, yeah, it's yeah. At first, I honestly gave credit to my Apple M1 iPad and and just thought, you know, it's got to be the speed of that. But I've played on several other different systems, and I'm still, I still am doing really good. So uh, nice. yeah, I think I've actually got some skills there, which is kind of crazy. Anyway, so that's been really fun to be able to play some of those. Uh, uh, online uh rpg games and some some other things on it this thing can handle it really pretty well uh also of course being able to get some of the more any of the latest uh uh latest emulators that have come out there's a ps there's a couple ps2 ones that have some good some good potential that are still there's still a way off i think but i'm really hoping that i might actually be able to uh play a few ps2 games on this little bad boy so anyway fun update and uh, i'm excited for it to uh see hopefully some more updates and hopefully some more pre-made images that people will start to do uh that's one thing i've really enjoyed about some of the previous ambernick systems is people have you know hand built the their own i mean the last ambernick somebody built a custom firmware just for it that had you know that ran twice as good as the one that came with the system yeah arc os which was really cool so anyway 
fun stuff. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, let's see. Yeah, let's talking about. Let's get talking about some CRTs and digital displays. I don't want to say so. Like I have it in in some of our notes as CRTs versus LCDs. Yeah, and we've had but, some minor discussions on this in the past. I yeah, think, but, but I think it'd be fun to dive in for yeah, however we long never it really is dived about into it. it. This is going to be more about CRTs specifically and how they compare to digital displays. Um, so we're not really going to be like, which one's better? Because it's uh, yeah. irrelevant. I mean, and I think, yeah, that's kind of what we came but, to was it was kind of like, man, there's a lot of reasons for both, you know? Yeah. So I, I thought it'd be fun to just talk a little bit about uh, my CRT obsession for the sure, episode. Sure, you bet. Uh, so first of all, why would anyone want to play on an old, fat, glass cathode ray tube from 30 years ago <laughs> uh, for if you happen to be younger than me you may not even remember yeah that's, these old yeah, tube tvs um i but, of course grew up with them because i'm the old fogey of the two of us right so. yeah yeah i mean anyone my age or older certainly remembers using yeah. them a lot uh, but it's it's honestly kind of crazy how rapidly we just like they don't make them anymore like not even a little bit they disappeared so quick yeah and so whenever the last one dies they will never exist again um i mean that'll be a long time but you know that's uh it's kind of just crazy to think about um it is so why would i play on a on a 30 year old tv and the answers are many um (laughs) I think like the most true answer to this is nostalgia because like they are are in many ways inherently worse than the modern displays that we have right they use more energy they're right. smaller uh the, or if they are bigger they're super heavy and they take up a lot more space per yes. screen size they can heat up a room. I mean, you know, yeah, they, yeah. they they put out the the temperature, the BTUs like nobody's business. You know, they they uh, are uh, usually, for the most part, limited to lower re- re- lower resolutions. Absolutely. Than, well, like, truly, truly, they they are. There's, I mean, there are those some, crazy scan lines. I mean, yeah, wow. there are there are some four. <laughs> Uh, sorry, some 1080i HD CRTs that did exist. My dad had one. Uh, which sounds crazy to me, but um, yeah. for the yeah, most part, dad... CRTs yeah. were a 480i, and then some were 480p later on in like the early 2000s. Right. Uh, but for the most part, they're 480i, and then when you play video games, most video games were 240p. Because they would just skip the interlaced higher resolution to uh, affect performance. So there's a lot of downsides that you might initially go, oh, why would you bother? But they're nostalgic. Also, wait, another downside. Because I want to <laughs> I want to get the downsides out of the way before I talk them up. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they hum. There's a high-pitched yes. hum. And it is noticeable. I know that it's like a thing that... Uh, you lose those higher frequencies uh, perceptions when you get older. Right. 
I am not yet old enough to have lost that. Um, so I, and I was going yeah, to say, I, I have, I think I have pretty exceptional hearing and I'm lucky to have that, but that hum is definitely, that's a big negative, quite honestly. I, I, yeah, yeah. I haven't had a CRT for so long, but when you mentioned that, I'm like, oh man. Yeah. Totally. You know, I remember distinctly people my age will certainly remember, uh, that like everywhere, every public school had these like five foot tall rolling carts yes, that yes. had a had a like 25 inch crt on them right and they would roll them in with a vhs or or in yes. high school it'd be like a uh, dvd player maybe and it would just you would right. play a movie on the rolled in tv you know in <laughs> that cart and i have to say and this is a huge shout out for a current movie out ghostbusters afterlife if you haven't seen it, I haven't. Uh, uh, the teacher, played by Paul Rudd, literally does exactly what you just said. He he rolls in one of those carts with a yeah. huge CRT and a VHS, and he even jokes. He's like, "Apparently, this school still runs on VHS." <laughs> and I found a great film for you guys to watch. It's called Cujo. Imagine a Saint Bernard going rapid and it's mauling like a, a bunch of kids yeah. and he literally puts it in and, and lets the kids watch it it's like a summer school program yeah, oh, and he's, he, he's not doing anything with the kids but anyway yeah so huge shout out and so it's just kind of funny because <laughs> yes i so lived with that yeah era. so the roller cart the thing is is that if you if you came into the classroom you would know that you were probably watching a movie because as you entered the as you like entered the precipice of the classroom, yes, you would hear the high pitched buzz. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, so, uh, CRTs are an analog, almost entirely. Their later ones had like a dumb digital analog conversion. Like there were HDMI compatible CRTs, which is not typically the best way to play anything. Sure, um, <laughs> but uh the analog video on crts is zero latency because it's analog and yep. therefore there's no like processing yeah it's there's just no... a raw frequency on a cable going That's in right. and it's a directly affecting what goes out uh, so they're fast and many people uh, would say that the only way to be able to play games like punch out with mm. any sort of success is on a CRT because the delay latency from an emulator or from even just a digital display doing the conversion um, wow. will, will prevent you from being able to play it immediately. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. It's, it's kind of crazy. Um, and here's my favorite one is that uh, they're kind of fuzzy, right? Because they're not pixel perfect. They're not, you know, these razor sharp pixels. Uh, the level of precision on them is a little bit lower. And, and as you end one color and begin another color, uh, it will um, give you kind of a fuzziness to the image. Yeah, and it's kind of a blur. It's like yeah. a... Yeah, and that's kind like, of inherent to how they worked. So yeah, one yeah. color, like it might look like a checkerboard if it was on a digital display, but 
on a CRT is if you've got them that close, instead of being a checkerboard, it will blend those colors together. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and what's cool about that is that you can do like pseudo transparency where uh, it's not actually a transparent color being overlaid, but it's a checkerboarded color. And it's just a relying on the CRT to do that. And artists of the time who were making video games for CRTs were relying on that fuzzing to generate new colors and blend the images to make them look better than they look when you run them through an emulator. And I think that's a really good point that needs to be kind of highlighted is that, you know, from, you know, especially PS1 to N64 and below, all of the games that were developed were developed for CRT. You know, they weren't, they weren't designed for what we now emulate on, you know, LCDs or, or mm -hmm. whatever, but any kind of digital, uh, digital monitor, uh, they weren't, that isn't how they developed them. So, uh, again, going back to the CRT, uh, I think that if you want to see how these games were meant to look in their original form, that's the only way you can do it. Yeah, well, I mean, there's actually there's there's, there's, there's other there's, ways. I wanted to talk about that. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk about those. Yeah. Um, what the classic example of this fuzziness impacting the game and making it improve the way that it looks is in uh, Sonic the Hedgehog. Uh, the waterfalls that Sonic runs behind, uh, you know, they're like a transparent waterfall effect. But those aren't actually transparent. Uh, they relied on the CRT fuzzing to... Uh, basically, they were just striped, vertical stripes of waterfall. And they relied on the CRT fuzzing to give you a blended, transparent waterfall. Wow. Uh, now, I will say there's actually sort of a um, asterisk on this because depending on what crt input method what analog video input method you were using that actually may or may not have existed now the vast majority of people who were playing at least in america on crts in the 90s the 80s and 90s were using probably composite video the yellow plug and usually it was paired with the white and the red one for audio but for video, it was the yellow composite video. Yeah. And that is the one that has basically the, uh, the low enough uh, video standard to right. do that. Um, basically, the image, the image data was compressed in order to go over that line and... Uh, all the colors and the sync information went into it. So that's how it got chunked and compressed and, and made it give it that fuzzy image. Uh, there are other ways to get video into a CRT though. There was RF radio frequency, which was usually like a coaxial cable, but sometimes on old enough consoles and old enough systems, 
they were like little prongs that you had to screw yeah, gonna, into the antenna. I was going to ask about that because those prongs, you know, I mean, for me, the Atari 2600 being my first system, yeah. it used, and and my TV, you bet, had those. You had the, the, these little screws and you had those little prongs and you had to, you had to yeah. put them under the screws and then tighten the screw so that it contact made contact. Yeah. And then you had a little switch to switch back and forth between regular TV and the arcade system. Right. Oh, is that what I thought that the switch, usually they had like a channel selector. So it would change what frequency it would output so that the TV you'd say like, Oh, channel two or channel three. And, and that would change what the console was outputting the frequency to channel one or channel two. And then you'd match the TV to the same channel because sometimes channel three would have like ABC on it or whatever. Sure. Yeah, you exactly. So you wanted you the channel, channel that didn't two, interfere yeah. with. Yeah, exactly. that's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so I actually, I just looked up at my Atari 2600. I was considering pulling it down and being like these prongs, but it's an audio podcast, so it doesn't. I know, I know. It's. I wish. <laughs> yeah. we, I wish I could describe those prongs better, but no, you did an excellent job. Hopefully, with the screws and the yeah. way they they sit under that, that'll make sense. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. So, so that was like the earliest, and then there was a coaxial cable, which was like how cable usually went into your TV. Yes, had the uh, little screw in. You had, and it was yeah. terrible trying to, and it still is terrible trying to get that in and then match it with the with the with threads. The, threads yeah. and screw it in oh man as soon as every time they make those adapters where you can just do a quick slide on uh yeah. i buy those because it's just like yeah i just for whatever reason that just drives me crazy yeah but most people with an nes or an snes yeah we're doing composite the, using the, the yellow, yellow yeah the yellow cable. and then certainly Absolutely. by the n64 and the actually even the sega genesis pretty much everyone was doing composite yeah yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's right. kind of where it was, but then there's, there's two exceptions or not two. There's a few exceptions actually to that, uh, that by the time we got to the N64 and the, um, uh, we, around that era as video started appearing on some higher grade consumer sets and yeah, I was going to say, did they, did it? any game system actually have svhs out s video yeah i mean the in fact i think the snes supports s video really I, Def no, for, definitely the n64 and the ps1 i really i you know it's funny because I was so I was a huge fan of S video and I, I call it SVHS and the reason I do is because in my mind uh they uh the VCR the Super VHS used S video and had a higher resolution uh uh than especially a VHS and I was lucky enough to own a laserdisc player and so being able to copy laserdisc movies using an S video cable made these fantastic i mean better than what you could buy at the store copies of movies and so uh it was really fun but also going back to that yellow cable one of the things that i really liked is when video games went to the composite is that many of us started the earliest uh of 
we would plug them into the back inputs of our VHS, uh, our video recording system. Oh, yes. And so this was the earliest time where you could record and review your video game. So you could yeah. you could sit there and record the game and then go back and watch the mistakes you made and improve just by reviewing your video. Not that had never been able you could never do that before uh, before they started using that input. And of course, VCRs became commonplace. Yeah, so that's actually a really good point for for anyone younger than me. Yes, <laughs> their, exactly. Their VHS a lot of the time every like every household had like a VHS player, Seriously. A VCR in their yeah. house. And so the VCR would usually be the one taking up the few video ports on your that's TV. Right. Yeah, a lot of times and they had one input on the yeah, TV. Yeah, and sometimes that's TVs it. didn't even have any the VHS where the VCR would sometimes be going out to coaxial. It would, yes. And so then in order to get a video game in that didn't support coaxial, you'd, you'd the VHS player, the VCR, would have on the front of it yes. the composite video in, and then it would do the conversion to the coaxial out, which is not very good. But No. Again, uh, but then, such, it was a downgrade. But you're right. I, I think, you know, many of my first gaming systems like my nintendo and my sega genesis they went through a coaxial from yeah. the from the vcr so yeah that's totally totally true yeah um the yeah so i mean there was a progression of video standards until s video which most people probably didn't play with uh but s video started being supported on some of these later systems and that's pretty much that's where cool some That's of those great. blending effects started to die yeah i was gonna say that probably really affected that because it was a higher resolution i mean it it was and it had less interference i mean that's mm -hmm. the other negative thing to the composite uh and coaxial especially is that you know any kind of magnetic or radio frequency noise could affect the yeah. video on your television and, and that's so, true of s video but it was certainly less um it was it was apparent. less yeah. and the reason for that is that uh, each of those is basically um further separation of yeah because didn't it start compressing. separating the colors out in the in the s video yeah so composite is is the luminance and the chroma all the data which is luminance is like the brightness and the chroma is all the colors yeah and the sync information because the tv needs like pulses yes like know when the bottom of the frame is and so, so crazy. all yeah. of that came over the, the composite and the, the rf all of it came over to all that. into one big blurry mess yeah <laughs> and so then s video actually was separating luminance and chroma and i believe that the sync information came over the luma mm. and so because it was separated it was just a higher quality like a considerably higher quality than it composite. really was uh and maybe people wouldn't notice if i showed them but it was we for us, we yeah, especially in the day, you know, especially in our day when we would grow, growing up with that stuff, and you you spent years using composite, going from that to S video was pretty amazing. I don't know why I can't remember if I ever used S video on some of my gaming systems. I'm I would be surprised that I didn't though, because I was a huge fan of the S video uh, input. Yeah. You know, up until 
uh, RGB, I think is what they called it. Well, so RGB is a thing, but it's, it's got several different formats. Oh boy. So most people on consumer technologies, and this is where the GameCube and the PS2 started to, um, really try to push higher video qualities yeah. or at least allow for them right uh n- basically nobody owned the gamecube compo- uh, component video cable um sure. yeah but that was the technology that most people had was it called component video yeah um yes. and it separated it out into three individual um cables for video three plus Just video, video yeah they were red, green, and blue, and then you still had the red and white cables for audio, stereo audio. Yep. The uh, the component video is a lesser form of RGB because it's got the the green. I think is it's it was so it's called YPBPR. The green, the Y in that is the green cable, and it is. Uh, carrying the luma and sync information mm-hmm. sometimes it's called sync on green for that reason oh interesting and then yeah. pb i can't remember the p stands for but that's obviously the blue data and then pr is the red data right and so uh it can i guess do math to assume the green data from uh, actually it's it's luma minus blue luma minus red and then the green is what's left and so then it does the math on that and and that's how the like uh what do you call that video processor which isn't even accurate in the tvs would would translate those signals into because it's still analog into a, a picture and yeah. then RGB, there's a couple of different versions of it because there's RGB, RGB that has a four cable. So it's got red, green, blue, data, and then a sync. And then there's an H-sync and a V-sync. There's a five cable one. Really? A yeah. five cable one? My word. Yeah, so it's got, it does a horizontal and a vertical mm. sync. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think I've ever seen that. I mean, I, I'm sure it was yeah. out there. And I bet it was pretty fancy, but yeah, and and those are all starting to become diminishing returns of quality. Yeah, um, you know, only the highest end of video producers were ever really using that stuff. Component video is what most people in homes were yeah. even ever barely familiar with. Like the Xbox 360 came packed with a component video cable. Because right. when it came out in 2006 or five or whatever, that's mm-hmm. what many people's TVs were now supporting. Because that was the era where if you had a CRT from the last five or six years, then it probably supported component video. Yeah, yeah. But also HD TVs, HDMI wasn't quite there yet. Like the original Xbox 360 shipped without an HDMI port. Yeah, wow. so it was using component video to uh, display on HD digital displays. Right. Yeah, uh, and that was the thing. It's like the early the early HD displays component was kind of the 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 go to standard. You know, HDMI was. In fact, my first one didn't even have HDMI. It just had component inputs. HDMI yeah. didn't even exist on my first HD. But I'll tell yeah. you. 
I'm one of the few that did have the GameCube component. Oh table. my goodness. Do I, you no, still have it? No. And it, Cause it is like gold today. Is it? I'll yes. check. Well, here's the thing. So I, my nephew, uh, uh, my oldest nephew, he, I gave it to him when I, uh, because, uh, and in fact, this is what kind of makes me sad is I had a 32 inch Sony flat screen CRT. That's the other thing we need to talk about, about CRTs is most of them were almost like a bubble. I mean, not they, they, yeah. the corners were kind of cut off and they were kind of, they, they weren't flat. Right. except for a few like sony was one of the first that said hey we've got this super flat screen yeah it's, they were the vega CRT. models the Ve and the they w. were awesome yes and uh i had one well. of those and uh well i loved it i should say it had component video in yeah. and me and my nephew played the the gamecube like crazy with Yes, the component video out. So I'll check. I, I left it with him. I'm crossing my fingers. If he you still should, because I just looked on eBay. Uh, $250. Are you serious? Uh, I'm very serious. They are like gold. Wow. Oh, man. I hope they still have that. I would. Uh, I've been tempted to see if I could just get it back from him because I, I would love to have my GameCube back because, uh, yeah, I just, yeah. again, for, I don't really have a need to own a lot of the old systems but that's one that i would love to have uh, to own again is my gamecube yeah yeah i loved the gamecube i still kind of wish i had one uh I'll probably one of these days i will wow, you don't have a gamecube that's I know, because i have my wii supports gamecube oh so yes. i can access game <clears throat> like my gamecube games memory cards controllers Good all point. in it and that yeah I've so got it's not two. like pressing but i do want it yeah yeah, I've got two Wii's, and honestly, neither of them are plugged in. So, yeah. and they're both soft modded. I need to. I should drag them out, or at least one of them, and and play it again. It's been a long time. Yeah. So uh, back to CRTs. You, you, yeah, back to CRTs. You were mentioning the shape of the tube. Yes. The so tube. yeah, yeah, yeah. Most CRTs for the longest time were bubbled in both directions, right? So they were yes. curved from side to side and from top to bottom. And it would give them like this rounded rectangle look. Yes. Uh, but Sony had a line of TVs called a Sony Trinitron. And yes. the way that the Trinitron uh, was manufactured and that it was like the way that it worked was uh it, it, it was curved in only one dimension from from side to side so the top mm. and the bottom were appeared to be flat yeah or straight while the the it curved towards you from the sides which you really didn't notice as much i mean it was a big right to me it was a pretty big difference yeah i uh so today uh actually trinitrons are like the most highly desired tvs for retro gamers yeah oh really yeah and it's not just because of the way that they curve um because flat screens actually are generally seen as like the least desirable because they mm. even though they were flat and that was cool uh they tended to have less accurate geometry because really? yeah it's just like 
it's literally a geometry problem a physics a physics problem with geometry because the way a crt works is it has got basically a laser beam at the back of it and it shoots it's called an electron gun and there's an usually electron gun that's right yeah, there's usually three actually and they are yep. the laser is redirected by a ring of magnets and it it basically very quickly uh pulses the magnetic force around the laser to to bend the laser to fire at this metal grate that has holes in it that uh will direct the laser to one of three colors if it's one of those three lasers one of them is for red one of them is for green and one of them is for blue and the way that that uh bends and points it at those holes will determine whether it lands on a red green or blue phosphor on the painted on the front of the screen and it, when it hits one, a red phosphor then it will be red it'll light up red if it hits a green phosphor it'll light up green and if it's a blue phosphor it'll light up blue and it just does this back and forth up and down across your screen uh, 50 to 60 times a second depending on what country you're in and uh yeah. it that's actually where the hum comes from too because it's it's pulsing so fast that it's like literally wiggling <laughs> Mm. very small inside of the tv and it's that's what causes it to have that that sound uh so crazy there's the 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 grate of metal that that determines uh how those lasers will fall through and land on which color uh can have different shapes of holes in them so on uh tvs certain tvs they can appear to be like rectangles on some there'll be dots my favorite tv is a jvc or it's a pvm it's a pro video monitor but it's a jvc and it's got dots it's a dot mask and so really? they're you know yeah just like a little round dots so what did the how did the you know because again like i said for me that sony uh flat screen was just gorgeous yeah. and i mean mm -hmm. with the oh yeah they were beautiful in, it was just the colors, uh, everything just looked really good on it. Uh, what kind of grape did it use? Do you remember? I would be willing to bet that it used what's called an aperture grill. Hmm. Um, the Trinitrons were famous for the aperture grill, which provided usually higher contrast colors. Hmm. Um, but it also gave a very distinctive vertical line look. Hmm because um it, it basically didn't have as much of a gap between each scan line yeah uh because the it's a grill like literally like like a grate on a you'd see on the street you know uh that has like just jail bars basically that wow. was what an aperture grill was inside very small but and so it just had these very distinctive straight up and down vertical lines one for red one for green and one for blue in a repeating fashion across the entire screen there was one sort of artifact of the way that this worked and that there was a wire holding it up about a third of the way across from the bottom of the screen and you can see it it's literally a shadow of the laser hitting that line <laughs> it's a wire <laughs> 
and it's literally a shadow on every Trinitron, you can see it. It's not a big deal because it's smaller than the gap between phosphors on most other uh, hmm. screens, but um, you can see, like even on my very tiny one, you can see the little shadow of the wire on the temperature grill. Interesting. Yeah, I, I find this stuff very fascinating. Yes, oh, so you the, do. The well, physics, and for me, it's an education yeah. because yeah. I, even though I grew up with that era, you know, I was, you know, uh, I was very eager to go to HD. You know, as soon as yeah. LCDs and plasmas and all that stuff, you know, started coming out, yeah. I was pretty, you know, I was ecstatic. You know, I, I knew that technology. I remember, uh, you know, uh, for me to go back, you know, I think there's another distinction, too, is that especially at least for me, I grew up in the age of both the CRT and the computer monitor and the computer mm -hmm. monitors were really a different beast. I, I mean, yes, they used uh, a a version of the the tube and and the setup, mm -hmm. but it, I, it would be I mean, my first computer monitor was what was called a CGA monitor. It had four colors. That's it. It could only display four colors at a time. Like a Game Boy. It was it was brutal. It yeah. was brutal. And I remember one of my friends getting a uh, EGA, which could do 16 colors. And, oh, I, I don't think I've ever been more jealous. I was so like, Dad, now, you wouldn't believe this. Was that – this is, this is where I actually don't know. Was yeah. that the monitor unable to show those different colors or was it the limitation of the computer? I think it, I honestly think it's, I think it's a combination because the monitor itself would not just, if you plugged it into something that could display more, yeah. it would not display more. So I know the monitor had a limitation, but the computer technology was also limited too, because you, right. you did have a, a video card or a video output on, on, uh, uh, I remember getting a VGA monitor, which could display an amazing 256 colors at the same time. Uh, but I had to also upgrade to a 256 color video card to do it. So right. th there, there's a little bit of both, but an EGA monitor definitely couldn't display more than 16 colors, it, it, no matter what you plugged it into. So whether huh. it was just limited by, you know, maybe they just intentionally limited it uh because they knew the, the, te the technology but yeah it's really interesting because like the cga you, you know if you plugged it into something that was capable of ega it just couldn't do it it just wasn't compatible and so yeah you had to have you had to have both you had to have a computer that could output the 16 colors or the 256 colors and you had to have of course the monitor and so I grew up with a lot of, you know, and, and as, as the, as they got more colors, they also got higher resolution. I remember when, uh, you know, 800 by 600 for a very long time was like the gold standard. And then 1074 by 768 came out and, you know, now we can do 4k, which is just absolutely insane. You know, I'm there's, looking there's at my even 4K 8K. monitor. Yeah, and there's 8K monitors for crying out loud. You know, it's yeah. like I'm looking at my 4K monitor at you talking about this, and it's really quite stunning when I think about that. that oh yeah, CGA monitor. But uh, so that influenced me, I think, in a lot of ways to get go away from CRT. Is that I had grown up with all those computer monitors that were so basic, and that going to 
I spent, when I first started working at the company that you and I worked together at, uh, one of the, my first paychecks, I bought a uh, Dell, uh, and this is before widescreen, so it was just a standard, but it was a Dell, like 18 inch monitor, and it was just, and it was LCD, and it was it was gorgeous and i gamed on it it still had some ghosting back then oh yeah you know i mean ghosting was a major issue for lcd too but anyway so so for me i think that affected my both my knowledge of the cr of what crts could do because i was so focused on the computer technology i Mm. kind of didn't so this is so this is a a big learning lesson for me as well so yeah so i maybe die i might be dived a little too too hard into it but uh (laughs) the the geometry the geometry problem was of the flat screens was basically that because it's a center source from only so far away or or too far away I, i honestly i'm i'm not a mathematician or or a physicist but basically the laser (laughs) the laser could only bend so far accurately and hit a corner from corner to corner Mm. and maintain that accurate square image so a lot of the time the the geometry is a little wiggly a little bent on the corners on those flat screen panels and And of course it degrades over time yeah the magnets become less good and really? uh, and like Ugh. the yoke the yoke the the ring of magnets and the energy the, the energy the the electron gun uh those can like become loose and sag over time and so the like the overall picture will like float up the screen like Ouch. there's which can be fixed but no no my understanding is if the gun goes out the crt is done there's no way to replace the gun or is that oh no no you can so that you can nice i mean if the gun dies that's bad but you can replace that the the thing that if if what's gonna kill what's gonna kill a crt forever like if it so there are two things that can make a crt unrepairable uh like absolutely unrepairable exactly Uh, and that is what is inside the glass tube because the tube uh is um a vacuum seal of glass and so if the glass is cracked you can't re-vacuum it with repaired glass that's just not possible yeah you know because those were made in like sealed rooms where no dust or yeah you know so once that gets open to the environment it's done so and 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 it's the the vacuum yeah of it. like the they the, the electron it has to be a vacuum and you can't it has to be a vac- vacuum because the electron gun can't fire electrons through the air uh, without causing like a chemical reaction or something um that would be I, I don't know what happens if it tries but it's not but it, would it, does, it doesn't fail. it doesn't work yeah um so that's one thing that can happen the, the glass can become cracked usually on the back right where that it becomes more narrow yeah and because it's kind of a test tube type or a, a, a beaker type shape. Yeah, it right? is kind of a beaker shape. That's a good way to describe it. And yeah. so the, the, the top of the beaker right where it's like a smaller hole is sealed with the electron gun there in the end. And if it uh, dies, if it cracks, 
you can't like seal it back up and that's usually what happens like in shipping is like the end will get cracked the front is pretty thick and probably and the geometry of it means it's probably not going to crack up there but if if you did yeah, you that's, would, that's yeah, i mean in, unless you take a hammer to it or something right. i mean it, they were pretty i i mean i remember dropping and thinking mm-hmm. it's done this, for it, it's done for and it was fine you know yeah. it was pretty amazing uh the other thing that can happen is that those the the phosphors that are coat that coat the front of it those can become uh burned over time hmm. uh they can um basically so much energy can hit them for such a long period of time that they cannot excite as much as they could before and then it becomes a more dull image and this happens in fact i remember very distinctly uh when i was in like middle school uh we would go over to my grandparents house after school while my parents got done with work and then they would come pick us up and take us home and you know, that's how that, that's how days worked for us. And that was, and that was, and honestly, I think that's a common model for yeah. our, our generations is that, you know, both parents work. And yep. so you had some kind of after school program, whether it was your, and if possible, it was family because it was a lot cheaper. Right. Yeah. So that's, we did that. And my grandparents had this spare bedroom where we would go and watch like Nickelodeon or Cartoon wow. Network after school, after we lied about doing our homework and, That's then, right. <laughs> um, and they had gotten this TV for the spare bedroom from like a casino or something because wow. <laughs> it had a uh, burned in image on the screen mm. of a little uh, in Oregon. We have this thing called the yes. Oregon Lottery. Yes. And it has this logo that's like a peace sign, basically. It is. Yeah. It is. And it's like a peace sign. The, in like Kino at a casino, right? Yeah. There was like in the bottom corner would always be this logo, no matter whatever else was on the screen. It right? always like, had that logo. And it, that logo was burned in to this oh, TV that was in the spare bedroom. So we would be watching Nickelodeon and no matter what was on the screen, you could always see the faint image, this ghost of the Oregon Lottery. Wow. And uh, I think it might have even had the grid from the Kino, which wasn't as bad because that went away occasionally. <laughs> but oh, um, like what I mean by went away is it, it on the, a, the on lightness Kino, and darkness of the, t- the show or whatever would. R- well, it? no, 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 no. Like like Kino when it's running, like, I don't if people don't know what Kino is. I barely know what it is, but it's basically like bingo. It, yeah, it's, it's like, like an with numbers and a grid, with right? Numbers and a grid. And then like these dots that would fly onto the screen and reveal the numbers yeah and uh, so you played bingo with a tv basically and um so the grid would be there and there would be numbers but the numbers would change and the grid would go away because sometimes it would like play stuff in between games and so whatever was going on with that tv the grid sometimes disappeared but the Oregon lottery logo never disappeared and so uh, the the grid was always much fainter, but the Oregon Lottery I see. logo I see. Yeah. was persistent. I, I um, bet it was. Anyway, uh, that's what can happen is that they can they basically can become burned in from a repeat image for so long that uh, that they don't. They're, they're just probably not going to work. Like my no. TVs actually were used in or my my uh, CRT PVMs 
pro video monitors were used in pro video environments and it's very 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 faint but like there's a basically a dividing line just left of center on my screen where hmm. i can tell like they'd had some sort of video overlay pattern for monitoring yeah. shoots or something right and it's very faint and like i'm certain that 95 percent of all people i could show it to even wouldn't in even optimal notice. noticing situations wouldn't notice but right. i can notice because i'm a crazy person you you are a little crazy yeah especially <laughs> when it comes to crts yeah I yeah I, I admire your craziness, though. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, so if you're interested in getting a CRT, how can you get one? Yeah. There are many ways. Uh, the easiest way is, first of all, I want to stress that it is it is not that important for you to be a perfectionist about what CRT you get. Because uh, the the... The, what we played on when we were kids were not like the top of the line pro no. video monitors that accepted RGB inputs. And and even in you know. another thing, to, especially if you're like me, who was of the arcade generation, oh, you know, yeah. those arcade units, at the end, they started using better monitors. But for the most part, they were just probably the cheapest monitor they could find to fit in those things because they were mass <laughs> producing these things so again if you're wanting to play a bunch of arcade games on a crt the same thing goes you don't need a, a pro video monitor for right. uh, emulating arcade games which briefly i want to say happy birthday to Mame. Mame. it's 25. 25 years old uh which, which is amazing it's crazy that, that is what started emulation for me. MAME was the, you know, for many of us, I think was the, uh, kind of our introduction to emulation and retro gaming. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, so uh, big shout out. Happy birthday. And of course, thanks to all the developers, especially Nicola Samora, uh, I think is his last name. I'm the, the original creator. Sorry, I'm murdering your name. But anyway, thank you. Or I can fix it in post. Nicola, You're pretty close. Nicola Salmoria. Nicola Salmoria. There we go. Yeah. Uh, yeah, MAME is cool. Uh, good call out there. Um, so if, if, it's not that critical that you get like no. a top of the line unit. Uh, you could check out Craigslist. You could check out Facebook Marketplace if you do that. Um, and that's a, a good point. People... If you can get it local, that's a good thing. It, you know, especially for people who haven't seen these things or mm -hmm. seen one in person, they're heavy. And oh, yeah. uh, shipping costs would be pretty enormous. Uh, I, uh -huh. I've paid for shipping for monitors. Uh, my first Mac had a huge, you know, one of those, yeah. what are those berry colored looking things? IMAX. IMAX, thank you. The IMAX and, G3. Uh, it, it cost a fortune to, it cost almost as much to mail there's it. One, there's to, one sitting right over here. Yeah, the one that's sitting right over there. Yeah. yeah uh, the shipping was almost as much as the, the cost of the thing on eBay. So, oh, man. So you got to watch out for shipping, yeah. especially on these heavier, bigger ones. Um, yeah. So, in fact, I actually, so all of the CRTs I have in my house are local pickup. Mm. Um, and the one, my consumer set 
it's the biggest one in my office. It's like 27 inches. It is for free. And I got it from around the corner. <laughs> Literally, wow. I Just was driving by to the gym and there was like this guy around the corner who had a uh, free sign on the TV. And I thought mm, maybe, and then I thought about it for like another day or two <laughs> and <laughs> I drove by again. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to pick this up. Wow. So I did. Uh, he had since he had moved it under like a cover, but it was summer, so there was like no oh, risk good. of it like getting damaged. But uh, it's great. I mean, it's not like perfect, but it's it's really good. Um, nice. And it was free. Score. And, uh, and actually, <laughs> what first got me into the CRT craze was a, a really not good 13 inch Sylvania TV. Oh wow. Yikes. that uh was across the street from that guy this thing was sitting out on the corner and uh it was bad really bad oh, color man. separation like Ooh. it was awful but yeah i was gonna say me... sylvania was not quality i mean wow yeah. i forgot about that product or that company yeah it was that. bad so i uh i but it got me started and i was like oh i, I want something i want something like this but good and uh, so I took that to the recycling station and then got a better one. You know, and it's interesting. Uh, and I completely forgot about this till you started mentioning the free stuff is that when, when uh, again, in case you weren't around, when people started converting over to like plasma or LCD TVs at the time, uh, people couldn't get rid of, their mm -hmm. crts fast enough yeah. people had them on the streets people were throwing them in garbage bins uh garbage collectors wouldn't collect them so you'd have to take them to recycling centers it was it was massive you know so if, at that time if you wanted one boy they were everywhere so it's just kind of sad nowadays of course because of the no manufacturing of them or the continued manufacturing of them now they're now they're a commodity yeah, and uh, people are still, you know, getting rid of them for free because they they're big, they take up space, buying yeah. a, com a comparable Sometimes, size, yeah, and 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 um, and quality of of TV is like really cheap for, to get an LCD. Like like we're talking, if you wanted to just like get a twenty inch TV that replaces your twenty inch crt they're like a hundred yeah. bucks like it's really dirt cheap to get an lcd now yeah and that's such a and that's so amazing because yeah crts were always pretty expensive so yeah and and on, quite frankly they don't really work with anything anymore except for video games and old video technologies like vcrs yeah and laser no broadcast tv or anything like that you would yeah. have to have a converter even just to play cable mm -hmm. and, and like probably yeah i was gonna say probably your cable provider doesn't even provide something that goes out to analog no video i think you'd have to probably buy it yeah. uh, buy a special converter to run cable or television on it yeah so uh yeah, I, that's what I would say is just check like Facebook or, or Craigslist or something. And that's uh, that's a good way. Or if you happen to drive by one, people are still sometimes putting them yeah, out. Yeah, that's a good. And, and, you know, if you want to look at like eBay, one of the things that you can do is under the search filter options, you can do local pickup only. Mm. So then you can uh, 
and and mark like the range of area like you can do like within 60 miles of where you live and then it's going to only show you crts that are available for local pickup within the 60 miles so you can do some pretty cool search features on that if yeah. you wanted to do something like ebay but again uh i would definitely recommend everything else because ebay they tend to be uh more expensive yeah uh but ebay does have some like buyer protections that craigslist and, doesn't have and if you're looking for one of those pro video monitors that might be a better place to look too yeah so my pro video monitors i've got three and they all came from the same place i literally drove by this video production company that's like 10 miles from my house wow and i just thought i wonder if they've got some lying around that they might like so i went to their website and i happened to know somebody from high school who worked there wow. and i emailed them and was like hey smart you wouldn't happen. Do you remember me? You wouldn't happen to have some old <laughs> junky TVs you want to get rid of. And they were like, you know what? Yeah. Wow. And so I just negotiated. <laughs> they were like, let me pass you over to the owners. And I negotiated picking up these TVs, these PVMs from them. Uh, that's amazing. That's, that's yeah. great. Uh, which I highly recommend if you can do that over. Yeah. Like that's eBay, pretty awesome. That's going to get you cheaper stuff, but sometimes eBay is the only way. Uh, there's also some discords and some, um, uh, the CRT gaming subreddit has yeah. like a, has like a, buy sell list every month oh nice um, and it's regionalized so you can go to the the thread for your region uh so yeah if you're looking to get, pick up a crt now would be a better time than later um because yes. they will always get more scarce yes um that being said what if you're like i don't wanna i like the idea of some of the cool look to them but i am not interested in a big bulky old thing in my house there are solutions emulators and and uh systems like the mister have filters on them that are honestly really good these days and i have to say you know i for the longest time was anti-filter i i just i felt like they felt they felt fake they they, they, they didn't feel you know, they didn't bring back any of that. Uh, well, they used to be bad. Nostalgia. <laughs> yeah, they were bad. And, you know, but you recently sent me some recommendations for my mister. And uh, I have to say, I am really impressed with yeah, they got how good. filters have developed. It's amazing. I mean, it's, it. you know, for me, it, it did bring back that nostalgia mm -hmm. and, and, uh, so one, thank you for the work you did on writing that up for me. But two, oh yeah, of course, uh, it really showed me, like, and convinced me that yeah, filter technology uh, is just vastly improved. Yeah, they've they've gotten really good, largely thanks to FPGAs. Um, yeah. My N sixty four mod kit uh, that outputs an HDMI. Uh, it has an, an FPGA in it that actually has the same uh, filter technology as the Mister pro project, and wow. can even you can even transfer some of those filters settings, uh, settings oh, wow. from the Mister to the N sixty four digital. Nice. And it, yeah, and it 
you know, there's just all sorts of solutions now. So like, you know, the mister doesn't do N64, but if you've got this N64 digital kit in your N64, you can get an N64 on an HDMI, HD display with those uh, CRT filters. filters, and they look incredible. And there's tons of options for scaling and what kind of, do you want scan lines? Yeah, honestly, want... the options overwhelm me. You know, yeah, so they, they are, it. they're a lot, but they are good. So yeah, I would say check out some of the filters that are available these days because I think they are actually pretty good. And not every game is better and not all the time will you want to have them on because sometimes I like the sharp pixel look, right? Yeah, and and I do too. You know, it is, you know, I go back and forth, you know, and that's what's kind of, you know, fun, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's nice to have the option because definitely some games did not age very well in that sharp pixel look. Yes. Uh, like, I've been trying out that PS1 core on the Mr. Right. And I think that filters on almost every game are necessary <laughs> because yes. the PS1 did not age particularly well. No. the You know, even back in the day when the PS1 came out, a lot of people were pretty skeptical of the 3d technology that it had because it was very honestly it was very basic and uh so you know it it felt outdated even as it was coming out with that 3d stuff especially compared to the n64 you know you had oh yeah you had had two you know a, a more you know the n64 of course had a more powerful system and could do 3d much better uh and then of course you have the ps1 that had more storage because it would use the cd uh rom and uh but boy yeah it i love ps1 games uh and yes even though yeah and and the mr uh ps1 is is still very much in beta but even when it gets completed those those filters are still going to be very necessary oh yeah uh That yeah. will not change <laughs> with with the completion of that uh, core. Yeah, I mean, there are some games that can. The, the, the PS2 had a lot of gorgeous uh, 2D games. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. And those look great in 2D in, in uh, sharp pixels, but but it also mostly had a lot of 3D games that uh, didn't age so hot. Um, On the PS2, even. Wow. Sorry, did I say PS2? You I did. Meant- PS1. I think some of the PS2 games 3D wise aged better. I mean, better. I'm not saying, yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely not saying great, <laughs> but uh, they aged a little better. Uh, yeah, for sure. Sorry, and, I, I misspoke when I said PS2. I meant PS1. You know, and, uh, you know, with PS2, you could at least use some, uh, Oh, descaling technology and stuff yeah. like that, and scan line stuff or, or removal of scan line type stuff. And uh, yeah, well, the PS2 uh, ran at a 480i standard, yes, and you. also some games even supported 480p. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, it was just a different, just a different thing. But um, the PS1, yeah, the PS1 PS1's... was rough. It was. It did. Yeah, yeah, like you said, some of the 2D games look were are fine but for the most part uh a lot of the games were 3d and a lot of them just uh yeah yeah Uh, so anyway i think that's a good place to uh to wrap it up um 
thank you for letting me spew a bunch of nonsense about CRTs for hey, a that while. That was great. And here, I, here I, I thought this was going to be a short program. I know, me too. I was like, oh, we just are. do fun. And now I just let me rip about CRTs for an hey, hour. I, I'm kind of glad that you got it out of your system because I think that was really good information that yeah. uh, for me was a lot of learning because even though I grew up in that era, uh, I really didn't know a lot about it. So yeah, yeah. So, um, you can always uh, contact us at retroResPod at gmail dot com, uh, and also, like I, I sometimes mention, I will stream at Twitch TV slash Press Left. Um, like I said, I've been men- I've been playing a little bit of Super Mario sixty four on there, so practicing my speed run skills. Neat. So, um, thank you for listening, and we will yeah, see you next thank time. You.